Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... You got a mark here. <laughs> oh, it's me. I am Ben Young. This is Bill Jarvis checking in. Andrew's back. <laughs> that caught me off guard, Mark. <laughs> you Mark Wildcard Doctor. <laughs> Ace is wild and so am I. I'm Mark Vodker here, Marky B. <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, good start, gentlemen. And today we're here to talk about Sorry to Bother You, a 2018 film directed by Boots Riley. Uh, he also wrote it. Sorry, these boots were made for directing. Yeah, those boots were made for uh, singing, uh, writing, and directing. Yeah, is he uh, in Parliament Funkadelic? Yeah, is that is is, is that's Bootsy uh, he's Collins? A, he's in yeah, the okay. coup. Okay, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I don't. Even, okay, what is well, I Parliament I know Funkadelic? He's, I, I know he's done other Parliament? Uh, acts besides. Um, the coup, so Street Sweeper right. Social Club with Tom Morella. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Probably uh, a couple others. Yeah, it's been around a while. Anyways, uh, the starring uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler, Omari Hardwick, Terry Crews, Patton Oswald, David Cross, Danny Glover, Stephen Young, and Army Hammer. The budget for this movie was a really low $3.2 million. The box office was $18.3 million. So that technically that is a huge, huge success. It's like a, a capitalistic success. Capitalism. Capitalism. That's a little weird, right? That, that, doesn't relate, that, that doesn't relate anything to this podcast. <laughs> Maybe that's why people don't give us their money. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> don't get did, it from the government, you stooges. We did play the uh, the uh, Soviet Union national anthem last uh, last episode. So I had fun with that episode. That's not that a, one. No, that's yeah. uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. no, that's, that's the Beatles, Mark. You're thinking of the Beatles. Crush it, crush it, crush it. Meet the Beatles. Oh, the fucking French. La Marseillaise. Uh, yeah, Bleu Blanc Rouge. Vive la Revolution. Did you say Bleu Blanc, Blanc Rouge? It's the sequel yeah. to Moulin Rouge. That's, uh, that's, that's how, you know how we say red, white, blue? We talk about our flag. The French say Bleu Blanc. Et rouge. Yeah, I, want, I would like some blue cheese or to talk about this movie. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna give Preferably it to both. Anyways, <laughs> Ben, what is this movie about? Good luck. Down on his luck, searching for his purpose and in desperate need of money, Cassius Green applies for a job with a local telemarketing company and sees major success after discovering his white voice. But when Cash is promoted to become a power caller, a high-level telemarketer, he gets wrapped up in a conspiracy revolving around union-busting, slavery, war profiteering, and genetic manipulation. Oh man! Uh, like, I, I, I did like the two different tones of the movie there. Was, you know, I had a little... So who's gonna hit up David Cross to voice that over for you? 
Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, think I could afford David Cross, but I would if I could. Can we afford David Cronenberg? Can we get I think <laughs> can we at least get David Cuffney? I think David Cross has done <laughs> less for the less. Most. <laughs> what, what about what about Christopher Cross? Because he's sailing. Oh. No, didn't he sing Jump? Um, no, that was Eddie Van Halen. Tell you what, no, Eddie, jump Eddie around. Can we get crisscross? Jump around Chris is Cross? House of Pain. <laughs> so I, I read somewhere that the no, uh, I no, think no. it's the 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 editor of this film uh, did the voice for Danny Glover. That's what I heard. So why don't we get that guy? We could probably afford him for. Yeah, let's get Danny Glover. <laughs> sure. It's called Jump. With yeah. Criss Cross. Criss Cross. That's, well, yeah, that's Jump by Criss Cross, not Jump Around jump. by House of Pain. Whatever. They're all, I, I, I don't know. Music. Did you it's just almost same. generalize an entire generation? I don't think so. <laughs> jump, I almost jump. generalized an entire genre of 90s hip hop. So, Ben. Yeah. Kind of, I don't like. I kind of want to just jump into the uh, Let's do it. theme here, but I, I feel mm-hmm. like you're kind of hitting on a. Th- a reoccurring theme mm-hmm. looking at last week and this week yeah are, are you a communist yeah ben's a fucking communist we already smelled it yeah no yeah no 100 okay no i mean like not totally but like i'm not like you know a full-on like let's uh let's let's all wear some great clothes and you know give you know give every power to the people kind of thing but like to an extent like i believe that there's certain marxist qualities that would work well in america and i think uh it was kind of unintentional i didn't even realize like after this this came after snowpiercer a long time ago but i didn't even realize when i was scheduling these i just thought it was a weird sci-fi film that we could have fun talking about and it wasn't until i was watching snowpiercer did i realize the similarities and the themes so, uh, yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a fun, fun little, little ride to come off of Sno- Snowpiercer into this. Okay. All right. Now I was just curious. Cause yeah, I was sitting there watching this movie. I'm just like, fuck man, these guys are trying to start like a fucking laborers revolution here. Yeah. Well, do you, do you, I was just going to say, how much do you guys know about Boots Riley? Nothing. Uh, he's a he's a fucking communist. He's a, he's a full on Marxist. Like no, he's, he, he's, he is he's a, an open communist. Yeah, he is a. Uh, more importantly, he's a bit. Uh, what's the word? Eccentric. He's he's a bit of a nutcase, and so name's uh, fucking boots. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, I love the dude, but he's 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 a bit crazy. So this movie is definitely from the mind of Boots Riley. Because it's uh, it's what I imagine this dude's head is when he smokes, and uh, it's a scary place to live. Could see that, Mark. Were you going to say something? Yeah, sorry. Oh, it's got the similar similar like uh, uh, character arc kind of parallels in a way of they're fighting so hard as a community to get out of the you know bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. And as soon as any individual does, all they want to do is keep the status quo and just keep their head down. And that kind of came through in both movies in a in a uh, or in both, um, I guess, recordings. Yep. I don't, I don't know what to call it because they're different. Uh, in both media, media. Thank you. Yeah, uh, they they came through really well 
in both and they felt really natural because it is a very human thing to do where you know you fought so hard and you finally get out and you're like oh man i'm i just want to enjoy this for a moment you know i think that's all human beings as they get older (laughs) that's that's why that's why the the impassioned is the youth and the older people are just like man just let me cut my lawn to this specification leave it alone um but if you also look the two parallels between the two uh that we did last week and this week is the distrust of the people who are on the bottom of the barrel. As soon as someone gets elevated, mm-hmm. they now become a bad guy. And it's actually true in our society. Um, a lot of communities struggle with that is as soon as someone from that community gets elevated, they're now the bad guy. Oh, you forgot where you came from, man. Yeah. You... Yeah, yeah. No. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, well, in, you know, in the cases of of these, the movie and the show, and I haven't seen the movie of Snowpiercer, but I'm sure there were some things like that in there too. Oh yeah, it's they are finally in a position to make some change, and don't want to risk it. You know, they actually have the sway to do something. Yeah, and you know, aren't willing to take the risk. That's the that's the history of our country and just where this how we've gotten to this point anyone who is actually in a position of power to actually change things won't change things because anything they change with the changes that need to be made would make life for them harder again and that's what it comes down to with cassius's character anything he does to change things for the people downstairs is going to boot him at the very least, back downstairs. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to want to exchange that. And I think, you know, he's obviously, you know, obviously Boots is saying, like, that is wrong. But I don't think anyone could could very strongly say, very few people could very strongly say that they would do differently. It's, I think, I think that's one of the reasons why, why I say, like, I think some Marxist ideas are, are great. But I don't think communism as a whole is something that could ever work fully because humans are inherently selfish. People won't ever work just for the people. They always work for themselves. And that's why so I, I think what Boots is condemning he doesn't understand is, a, is just a symptom of humanity's period. Humanity. A symptom of humanity. That's very interesting um, that we're talking about that. I don't know. I'm going on a whole different little tangent here. I'm just going to be two seconds. Just go on this journey with me. Go ahead. So there's a thing called the congressional pin that congressmen get. Um, They wear it on the lapel. That sounds like some sort of stupid innocuous thing. But like if um, sorry, um, if the lapel pin uh, is seen by, you know, security at the Capitol building. You just walk through, you know, if, if a police officer sees you with your pin that you get to tell them what to do, if, you know, there's all these things and it's like congressmen have a thing where if you wear your pin all the time, basically you start to become corrupt because the power, you know, you get to that point. There's so many people that be, that are the hobbit when they get to the to the hill and then they turn into Gollum just because of this pin, they call it the precious. And so that's the kind of idea that I think is that like the reason that people rise out of the, the people, the reason that people rise out of these, you know, out of a situation and become the villain is because power just 
power corrupts absolutely you know it's like as soon as you give one single human being power and you say you can be you know you can have all of this you can have all of this stuff you just have to ignore this stuff then humans the story of humanity is that we do that you know and it's like the congressional pin is just kind of like a symbol of that for me is that as soon as a congressman starts wearing that around then they start thinking okay i just have to get reelected, you know rather than i have to make change anyway no, yeah. Five minutes in, we're like getting mm. totally political here. I mean, you can't you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Like it's so on the nose in this movie that you can't just like wait till the last ten minutes to dive into it because it's it's there. Yeah, definitely, it's the it's the basis of of the entire film, and and the sci fi principles in the film are the basis of uh, a a corporation gone out of control. So you, you like like Colin said, you have to talk about it because that's the entire point of the movie. Uh, the com- you know, this this company, Worry Free, has cracked the code to free labor, which is uh, just getting giving people a place to live for the rest of their lives, give them food for the rest of their lives, and in return they have to work for them for the rest of their lives on their factories, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's that 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 alone is like dystopian and it's like okay loose connection to sci-fi but then worry free uh cracks another code to making their workers stronger and better and that's by crossbreeding them with horses and uh <laughs> that's when when Bill and I Bill and I saw this movie in theaters and I went into the film I can't speak for Bill exclusively but I went into the film with the understanding that it was some, like, quirky satire about, you know, I understood, like, I know who Boots Riley is, so I'm like, quirky satire about capitalism. And the last 30 minutes of this movie, Bill and I, like, were upset. Like, I looked at <laughs> Bill, and he was phys- he was visibly upset throughout it, and I was upset. <laughs> I it was picturing him just crying, <laughs> just sobbing gently next to you. It's it's, horse guys. it's a shocking and upsetting final thirty minute, minutes when these these horses he finds this this equisapien in the in the stall. It's it comes out of nowhere and you're not expecting it in any way, and all of a sudden there it, 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 the movie takes this giant left turn into. Now we're not just talking about uh, we're not just talking about corporations feeding on the little man, but we're talking about corporations feeding on the marginalized as well. From there, and <laughs> it's just uh, it's it's this time around, the second time around watching it, it wasn't I wasn't as bad because I was expecting it at this point. Uh, I didn't feel come out of it feeling like that fever dream feeling that I had. Um, but it was still, it's still upsetting to watch. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I don't know if you had the same reactions. I had no idea that was coming. Yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty, incredibly pretty guttural, like, reaction of repulsion when those, uh, horse guys started showing up. It's the up. horse dicks that so, get me. It's the horse dicks. So, That's also is very particularly upsetting. So I did, I did spoil it for myself in a sense, but I was not expecting... Just like as soon as he fell, the, the horseman fell back. I'm sorry, the uh, Equisapien fell out of the stall onto the ground. And just the massive horse penis. I was just like, oh, okay, all right. See, and that's the that's the selling point that uh, Steve Lift gives to Cash. He's like, he's like, and think about it. For five years, have you'll have a horse cock. <laughs> I, I remember... <laughs> 
when she was watching it caroline texted me and oh not texted me she messaged me on facebook and she was just like horse dicks what the fuck that was it that was her one takeaway <laughs> so funny. yeah i think i walked by when she was watching it last week uh-huh. and uh thankfully did not get anything spoiled for me but Amazing. yeah i mean the main sci-fi crux kind of happens in the last 30 minutes so Right, right. And, and and even like I'll even admit, like when I threw this on the schedule, I think I even said like this is it it's barely crosses sci fi. It really does. But it also has while it while it doesn't like have that physical tang like the physical tangent of sci fi, it has the th- the same kind of themes that sci fi explores, which is um the cost of humanity hu- humanity's development unchecked, um the way we treat each other, etc. So I, I thought it's still, while well, you know, first of all, it does still have sci-fi elements, but I, I thought it still fit on the schedule very well. Right. The, um, uh, the platform, you know, was very, very minimally sci-fi right. as far as technology goes. It was more conceptual, and that the whole thing was based on kind of an alternate reality, influenced by you know the core concept of the sci-fi in the film. Mm-hmm. Yep. True. And that's, that's honestly some of my favorite sci-fi is just very light exploring the themes that sci-fi explores, but not in your face. Like, don't get me wrong. I love mass effect, but like sometimes I enjoy a good little last of us. And so, yeah. I think I think it's important to to recognize that you don't need space to be sci-fi, and we've talked about that before. This one enjoys space sci-fi. <laughs> nice reference. Thank you. <laughs> Crushed it. The man, the the satire. I mean, it, it does really get explosive near the end, but when you start in kind of a well, it sounds absurdist, but you know, it almost isn't far-fetched to an extent from the start. And, you know, they want to develop it somewhere to get even more absurdist. Well, I mean, honestly, yeah, I was. So what you're saying with, with these worry free facilities, I mean, it's obviously prison. It's obviously, uh, you know, this is what prison is. And in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, it is that like it is like for some people, it's like this is my only way to survive. You know, this is my only way to survive is to be dehumanized and put into this place and literally have corporations profit from my labor for pennies, you know, like Uncle Cruz even says three hots in a cot. Three hots in a cot. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what he says. So it's not even like a, it's not a is obviously not a subtone. You know, it's it's very much in your face, but it's it's so I, I feel like it's so much realer than we realize. I think it's just so much realer than we realize that this is honestly prison is a labor system. Prison is a system mm-hmm. for cheap labor. That is exactly what it is. And that's what exactly it has become because that is the incentive. So, you know, th- this whole film is kind of about that idea of, you know, using churning, churning people, you know, churning people in in a process to make things to consume. So we, you know, so we don't think about it because we put a different face on it. Yeah, and 
honestly, and that's like why we'll never see real prison reform and why things like recidivism will never be eliminated is because it's just a cycle of labor, free labor, essentially. Well, it's not free. The federal government and the states are paying for that labor. So the people are paying for that labor. Mm-hmm. But the labor is not being paid, I guess. Well, it's I mean, it's it's almost it's blatantly a loophole of the 13th Amendment. It is yeah. blatantly a loophole that was in, in integrated into the 13th Amendment. And the people that are making the money are the ones paying all those huge funds to uh, Congress. So it will literally never go away. Now, of course, I know what the 13th Amendment is being a constitutionalist. But, uh, you know, for Mark, who doesn't know, what is that? What is the 13th Amendment? Say? <laughs> you know, there was a little war that happened back in like 1865. Uh, 1812, I remember. Oh, something like that. Um, well, there was a thing called slavery, which was very racially motivated. And they decided uh, a bunch of people who wanted to abolish slavery decided to yeah to (laughs) abolish because it it never went away in all actuality in all reality it never actually went away it was just put into a different form and given a prettier label because people because they attached a crime to it so yeah it was um, it was the amendment that abolished slavery it abolished slavery and and you know indentured servitude or whatever and Hang on, my cat's playing with the toy viciously. <laughs> I was going to be like, somebody is okay. jingling, so, and I yeah. like he's he's fired up. So it's um, it's neither slavery it, nor involuntary servitude, except well, as punishment for crime. Where exactly? Yes. Be. So it's not it's not circumnavigating the Thirteenth Amendment, but let's be real here. And, it and is you know, the Thirteenth Amendment. The, they put they put that in there because they saw it as a good source of free labor and so you know what's wild is like the government did that yes but like they still found a way to like circle back around and allow pri- private citizens to take control of it by the end of it all by mm-hmm. contracting their prisons out to private organiz- private companies so literally there are we there are businessmen who are virtually slave owners in America yeah. once again Absolutely. You know, that, that, that was Bill Clinton that signed that, I think it was. Took them, took them long enough, but they got there. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a privatized prison, which is obviously what worry-free is. And so you privatize prison and the acceptance of slavery. So people started, you know, like in the movie, people are just like, hmm, maybe worry-free is a good option. Maybe that's my only option now. You know, is to do that. So, I mean, it starts to become like, well, maybe it is reasonable because we normalize it. Well, let's be normalize it. Let's be real. Like, I don't think, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. Mm. I've been in a position where I've looked around at my life and just kind of thought maybe I should just go to jail. (laughs) Like, you know, like I haven't been. You know, I've been in points where I'm not making money, where I'm I'm in a lot of debt, where things are not going well, and I'm like. You know, like if I just got three hots and a cot, like I'm good. Did, did, like for like a year before, or two before that, did you mind ever just go like maybe I could just like make it out in the fucking wilds of Montana or Canada yeah. or something? Yeah. No, my mind doesn't go there because my jail. mind's not trained to be go there. My mind is trained yeah. to think maybe I should right. sell my body to whoever <laughs> will take it. 
a military. And, but, but Usually, Colin, mine goes to military. But okay. the scientists, yeah, but, yeah, but you get yourself you uh, some science going. All that land is already owned because somehow humans decided that they get to cut up and divide all the land. So then you realize, oh, I couldn't do that without having to pay someone to exist on their property because everyone owns something. There's literally so much land in Canada that the Canadians aren't even aware of it yet. Yeah, Lanada (laughs) is what I call it. It That shit goes to the North Pole, man. I had an existential crisis thinking about that. I was like, I'd love to just become self-sufficient to a point that I could just go somewhere and, you know, build a cabin and, and like, you exist could do it. on just that land. And it's like, it. oh, wait, everything's cut up and divided and someone okay. owns all that land. <laughs> okay, but word, like, okay, so my, is, do you remember Nick P. from college? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I didn't even I, go to your guys' college and I know Nick P. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the only person who's still Facebook friends with the dude. And wait, the, guy that, the guy that stole April's phone? Yes, yes, to teach her to teach her a lesson about leaving her phone out. <laughs> sure, sure. <that laughs> quote unquote. Quote unquote. Um, he, uh, he. I've been I following. This, I'm sorry. This dude sounds like a fucking dildo. I don't know who he's, he's, he's listening to this. He's a bit. He's a real P, but really, you got to stop. You he's a leave. bit. However, uh, he's also got some good ideas. Uh, in that he bought land and literally built a. He bought land for very cheap. Down in Bloomington, I think, and he's built like a small house on it, and it's nearly completed. And he's literally building it himself. And he does like odd jobs to pay for the labor, or, or not to pay for the labor, pay, pay for the materials. And I see progress pics, pics of his house that he's building, and I'm like, it's all got solar plant panels. He's entirely off the grid. He got a a literal water tank that he's placed under the house, so like he just got to fill it up. Uh, it's 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 a wild experiment in being self sustaining, and I'm I'm living for every update he posts because I'm like, what? Oh God, what's up next? It's Eric it's great stuff. Almost to Griffith. Yeah, my house. Right at the beginning of Griffith's <laughs> boom. <laughs> well, it was before he moved in with you, but okay. right right before the or right at the beginning of Griffith's boom, when mm-hmm. you know, it was it was extremely cheap to buy land there. Uh, there were some houses that were getting torn down because they were they were like pretty shitty, and uh, there were just some some pretty cheap land plots. And Eric yeah. almost bought one, and, and uh, like he wanted to build a tiny home in it. Hmm. Yeah, he was really close to doing it. Well, there's that tiny home over on uh, on Main Street in Cherville too. Oh, so, where? What you? Yeah, yeah, it's over on right by the right by Town Hall, and uh, it's, there's a little tiny home there. I'm surprised they even let him build it. Oh, I really yeah, am. Down. I mean, I don't even think Cheryl's going for an aesthetic, to be honest. It's so <laughs> fucking ugly. Sorry, Bill. No, no. Hey, I, am I on the zoning board? We're good. No, that town, that town is fucking How that attitude? ugly. He wasn't talking to you, Bill. Oh. <laughs> yeah, talking to other Bill. Yeah, Bill Sr., who is actually Bill on the Senior zoning cause... board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who actually did approve that. You told, you told me about it before it got up. I was like, oh, that's weird. He's so, like, yeah, we're kind of just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it's dicks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how you know it's done. Yeah, yeah, man. All right. So glad we talked about all of that. Super uh, applicable to what we're doing here. Um, no, that's fine. It is. No, I know. I'm just... I'm just giving you a hard time. So I, I all right. So we actually kind of we're doing this in reverse because now I kind of want to talk about some of the actors here. Yes. Um, 
before we get into the wonderful performances of like Lakeith and Tessa, I mean, hell, even uh, Stephen Young, I thought was great. But but I want to point out Army Hammer real quick. Yes. First off, fucking nailed it. As long as we're talking <laughs> about a businessman just like snorting coke, hanging out with hookers, the guy nails it. But he's kind of genetically predispositioned to play this role, considering his father is a famous businessman and his great grandfather was an oil tycoon. Army Hammer is old money. Like he is the oh, definition yeah. of what's wrong with this country. His fucking name is Armand Hammer. <laughs> but he yeah. is he 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 is a strong activist and donates a lot of money. He is a very oh, charitable yeah. no, person. I'm not. I'm to yeah, I'm not to his credit. Either. Of his course, character... he's still a millionaire. So I've seen him credited as. Um, kind of a co-lead, which I don't think is really accurate, but uh, I did enjoy his character quite a lot, and he had some he had some fantastic uh, moments. His his just like sense of calm when <laughs> when he's showing the claymation video <laughs> that they put together, and he's just trying to calm him down and telling him that he's harshing our mellow <laughs> while he's showing him the most insane bullshit. Yeah, that holding a gun. He's incredible. <laughs> I did, I loved his his uh, portrayal in this, in this movie. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to open up with Army Hammer because it's perfect. Um, he, he's, he's, he's truly, every, every time Army Hammer, like, for the record, like I don't know if anyone, any of you knew this, Army Hammer was almost Batman, and we are still robbed to this day of that <laughs> role. Like when the was dude he supposed to be casted. He was in George Miller's Justice League movie. He was cast oh. as Batman, and okay. then that it was canceled. Wait, the uh, one with Nick Cage? No, no, no. This was that was uh, that was oh uh, Superman uh, with uh, Tim Burton. Tim or. Uh, you're thinking of uh, Ben Affleck. What's his name? The guy who always wears... He's Silent Bob. Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith, yeah. Didn't he write that? Kevin Smith wrote part of Superman, uh, The Death of Superman, but he... Uh, or Superman Lives, that's what it was called. He wrote part of Superman Lives, but most of it was scrapped because he wouldn't put in giant mechanical spiders into the script <laughs> right yeah we all know how well that fucking worked for um oh. wild wild west and it was yes. built into nick cage's bow, um, wow wow contract UBA, UBA, bow, wow, uh, wow. he'd have to suck his tongue uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't agree to it so i don't blame him um, i don't know where that tongue's been but yeah no george miller of mad max fame was set to do a justice league movie uh with army hammer as batman and a few other a few others were cast and uh, we were robbed of it, but uh, I've I've loved him always in this. I didn't recognize him with the beard when I first saw this movie. I he it caught me off guard. I never was. I was like never like oh yeah that's Army Hammer. I was like it took me a minute to be like oh shit. And like because normally he's also like I feel like Army Hammer's usual roles are like pretty boy like like you know like the guy everyone loves and like Stephen Lift is just this massive trash heap of a person, and I love watching him in it. It's great. <laughs> my favorite character in the movie though is sorry someone else was going to say something there was a lot I was just going to I was going to say something about uh, Army Hammer's casting I gotta find it but um, basically they uh, 
Boots Riley had said that he casted Army Hammer just because he seemed like a friendly guy (laughs) 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 and not because of his uh, connections to like big business and everything. That's great, and and that just goes to kind of show like the kind of the kind of weirdo Boots is. Yeah. Um, my favorite character in the movie is is Detroit, played by Tessa Thompson. Oh yes, I I love every second Tessa Thompson is on my screen, and this movie is no exception. I love uh her entire wardrobe, which I've read it was not nothing in her wardrobe is a costuming decision; it's a script decision. Which is hmm. really interesting. That I mean, the sense. earrings, the earrings made sense for it to be a script decision. The, but not just the earrings, like her her clothes, everything. Like the scene where she says the where her shirt says the future is female ejaculation. That's <laughs> I, that's all in the script. There were some. Her earrings are great. I loved it. One of them was a Bob Dylan reference. The uh, uh, the times are uh, getting quite different. It? No, it was it was something about holding hold a rag to your face, bury the rag deep in your face. Bury the rag deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the lonesome death of Hattie Carroll. There's a, I you know I I can't do it justice to talk about it to like deep extent, but uh, <laughs> blackgirlnerds.com does a great great essay on her earrings and just her her wardrobe in general in the film, and it's it's really uh, it's a great read, and I don't want to just like read it word for word here so just like definitely recommend you guys check it out uh, perhaps you can post a link it. to it when uh yeah. we yeah, post yeah, your yeah. episode yeah absolutely but uh what one part i do want to highlight is that uh you guys were talking about how worry free was just the prison industrial complex and uh when worry free is starting to ramp up and like the story of like left eye the uh <laughs> the the antifa like group uh rising up against worry free um and she's wearing earrings of uh a man in an executioner's chair mm-hmm. uh, an electric chair around the time everything with worry free is heating up so it's very much like you know calling to attention the mass incarceration thing as well which is cool that's a good a good point i hadn't made the connection um also want to bring up lakeith stanfield uh absolutely fantastic i think in this movie oh yeah such a good fucking actor i am just like blown away by this dude he is so fucking good at this movie i don't know there's just no other way to describe it he just just the way he emotes and the way he is he's just so good so freaking good yeah uh like i the only other movie i've seen him with is knives out mm-hmm. and he played a very small role but I, mm-hmm. you know, I thought he was great in that too but right um i definitely i'm um i haven't seen atlanta i know a lot of you guys have, so good have hyped it up and i want to do i do want to watch that but that was my introduction to lakeith stanfield that was most of the world's introduction to lakeith stanfield uh he had mostly done just like shorts and stuff before that. And mm-hmm. he in Atlanta, he plays this kind of like low key stoner dude. But then he also is a lot like um, probably more like Boots Riley than Cassius at the end of the day, where he's like he's very Marxist. He's he's very like fuck the system kind of dude. And so it's really like his character in Atlanta is, is so good. And if, if anyone out there has not watched that show, like you need to watch that show. There are even some sci-fi aspects to it. We could do it. 
I need to watch more. I'd started into it and I loved it, but I, I it was kind of hard to find. I think I was watching it on YouTube or something when it was first coming out. And it's all on Hulu now. Yeah, FX on Hulu. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh. Give it a shot. And it's it's a short episodes. 23 to yeah, 20, 20 something minute episodes, 10 awesome. episodes a season, only two seasons so far. Uh, they, 2021 and 2022 were supposed to be three and four. He was, they were shooting them back to back. I don't know how COVID has affected that. I have a feeling it probably put him on hold for a while. But, uh, and also now there's the stupid fucking Lando TV show that Donald Glover's <laughs> remember to be doing. I'm like, dude, you don't have time for that. Like, go back to work on Atlanta. <laughs> but anyway, I had, I had oh, read that actually Donald Glover was was like slated to play the role of Cash. Really? And uh because of Lando, his well, his role as Lando in the solo movie, he couldn't do he recommended Lakeith to wow. take his place. Well, I'm, I'm not didn't disappointed know that. Lakeith, no, that's great. Lakeith like <laughs> feels like he's like made for this role. It's just yeah, so totally. freaking good. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, right. now that I'm saying it, I don't know if I would have liked it as much with uh, his posture too. He's clearly a little bit taller. You know, I don't even know that. I think that was a huge emotional. You know, well, when he slumped over, it, it, I think it's just it looks better when you have a really tall guy like that. But, right? Yeah, but I mean, I I think Donald Glover is a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. So I don't. I think that that was a. I mean, that really stood out to me the way that he emoted before he i mean he says you know i just need a job and he's really just looking he's doing anything to get get some money and get stability in his life and it even after he's got that he's clearly you know physically very dissatisfied and once he starts feeling fulfilled you know it takes off from there but i think that's important kind of as an establishment of his emotions the way the way that he that he kind of holds himself and talks you know before he starts to become successful yeah i agree oh, oh holy fuck i didn't even realize this sorry i was just looking at uh cast what didn't you realize forrest whitaker played uh the first uh Equisapien slash Demarius. That's Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's incredible. Great. Yeah. Um, well, he's he's uh, one of the producers of the movie. Hmm. Oh, cool. So that's why he was probably wanted just a small role. Uh, and in case anyone didn't know, Rosario Dawson is the elevator voice. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, were the horse dicks a practical effect? No, they that were. was all Forrest Whitaker. Now we're entering the Twilight Zone. Yeah, big forest swinging Dick Whitaker. <laughs> I was impressed that the suits actually were seemingly entirely practical. They were. I mean, they were practically <laughs> repulsive in every way. Yeah. <laughs> but what does it say about you, Miller? That you're repulsed <laughs> yeah. by the working man. Says oh, that I you... absolutely uh, find the working man contemptible. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Mark. They, they, they want to organize? Oh, God. Put them out to pasture. Yeah. Turn them... Uh... Yeah. yeah. Oh, what he was... already made the glue joke. 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> I, I will turn. I will turn you perfect abominations into glue. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the dialogue was cringy in this movie, but there were so many that just yeah. made me giggle. Yeah. I was glusing it at that part. <laughs> oh god! Oh, boy. oh no! Now they no they did. There were some like really some great lines. They did a good job of balancing dialogue, feeling grounded in the real world, and mixing in some really powerful quotes here and there. Yeah, yeah, there were. I mean, as the movie went on, it just got more ridiculous, which I think is what uh, Boots wanted to do from the get go. Definitely, it just got a little less clear. I think he, I think, I think he wanted to say a lot in this movie, and at times it just felt a little clustered. But overall, the message was there, and I got it. Um, uh, for instance, I mean, I. We didn't even talk about it too much, but Stephen Yun, I thought, uh, did a pretty decent job um, <laughs> when he had the the megaphone and they're when they're outside. <laughs> I was just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> okay, but at the end of the day, like I appreciated is you know for someone who's being you know a staunch you know communist, really the character was just looking for better pay and you know benefits it wasn't like eat the no. rich as much as mm-hmm. they just wanted it right more fair so not being able to well as he said go see your doctor after a night of wanting to go out and drink with your friends <laughs> <laughs> like and, and they kind of turned it into a joke but that's real you know yeah no, it circles absolutely. back in a way to the us talking about willingly putting yourself in prison to be able to you know get three square meals i mean there's stories of people going in banks and like sticking their finger in their pocket and basically asking for a dollar or whatever you know to get sent to jail so they could get proper medical treatment because they couldn't afford to just go to the hospital yeah yeah i've heard that before Mm -hmm. um no yeah i i i agree with you though colin it was uh you know this is very much a freshman film um clearly you could tell there's a lot that like could have used some polish but i like like you said i think overall i think he got his message across for the most part with a few little extra bits here and there uh and managed to tell a real a pretty cohesive story with some extra uh extra befuddling add-ons at times mm-hmm. but it, you know for a freshman film this is a hell of an outing and he has no plans to do any other movies right now, but I'd love to see something else from Boots uh, Bradley. I think he is attached to a, a TV series. I'm not sure, though. I'm looking at stuff now. He's he, Does anybody he's, right now have plans to do anything, kind of movies or shows? I mean, yeah, yeah. like people are people are getting stuff geared up, hoping to, you know, the, it seems like Hollywood's going to reopen in September now. So far, knock on some fucking wood. I mean, I would really hope that TV shows are going to get made because, you know, Mark and Matt is literally their <laughs> occupation. So that's where I'm looking to go to. I'm I'm tired of marketing. Shit fucking sucks. I feel like everyone's tired of marketing. Yo, <laughs> can I just say, like, on a recording, like my job was the worst fucking job on the planet. <laughs> And my company was trash, and my boss was everything that this movie talks about. So I hope he's not a secret. No, I don't even care if he's a secret supporter. Like, 
You, you deserve to hear this. <laughs> Mr. Johannesburg, you sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was awful. Like, and it's it's funny because, like, I, I often kind of sat there and was like, what if these two employees in this shitty-ass company decide to unionize? He can't do anything to us. <laughs> there are two of us, and we keep the company up. We are the company. Anyway, he, he closed the company down because he didn't feel like running it anymore, so... <laughs> but not before offering it to me a sinking ship by the way because the moment he closed it down the moment he announced that he was giving all the clients to another company uh all of our clients left so <laughs> i mean i would no one i'm surprised now, they ben, didn't leave until then now ben i don't like you at all but do you want my company? <laughs> no, he, he, he doesn't. He, he liked me, at least before he heard this. Uh, now he probably doesn't like me if he hears this. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I, I didn't work for the dude so that he would like me. I worked for him so that he would pay me and give me benefits. And he only did one of those things. And even then, he only did one of those things sometimes. So. <laughs> oh, boy. Speaking of uh, of advertising, can we talk about the, the Coke ad? Oh, the, the uh, have, have a, a coke cola and smile, have a cola and smile, bitch, or <laughs> yeah. dude, That's every so incredible, everything about his have a cola and smile, bitch, thing at the end, I loved so much because it's it's the that was his that was Boots's whole critique on internet culture and how like here's a guy who has something legitimate to say but no one cares because he's the have a cola and smile, bitch guy. It's a very, very, it's a posture very much like kicking people while they're down. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I mean, man. he, he showed up on this like humiliating TV show to like try to get his point across and then he just backfired. <laughs> just totally backfired. <laughs> the show like, is it's, like, it's amazing. He's amazing for figuring out how to make these hybrid human horses. <laughs> <laughs> the, the show is, uh, is hilarious too. I love that he's flipping through and there's only three channels now. Yes. Because that's all, you know, everything's boiled down to the news and the one show, the one reality or like reality TV show about humiliating people because they are, need the money. <laughs> and then the MTV cribs of slave labor life. That's oh all God. people need. It was, that's great. That show is wacky, man. <laughs> my um, it, it kind of puts a pain in the whole like you know prioritizing financial stability over like your your personal comfort and personal life getting beaten up on tv for money oh yeah did they get but, paid yeah no they get money that's oh. the whole that was the whole deal like i was about to say how many of us would do it i would not i don't like to be hurt <laughs> I'd get the shit kicked out of me for some money. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> if you're out there and you have some money you're looking to spend, <laughs> reach out. I'm not saying just come kick the shit out of me then throw some money on me. I need to be just taken out to dinner my first. my retinas. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> At least an EMT on standby. Uh, but like reach out. Yeah, because you know the show has an EMT on standby. Um, let's talk and let's see if we can come together on a price to uh talk about well they make them pay for the emt miller that's the emt oh. that's on standby um and let's see if we could come to a price that's agreeable for everyone for you to kick the shit out of me 
How much would you, what, how much is the minimum that people would have to have the shit beat out of them? Like, what would you have to get paid before you like? A thousand dollars at least. Minimum. And, and from there, like, so like, we're talking about where you're going to kick the shit out of me. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah. You're like, so like, to, like I'll uh, take some punches yeah. in the guts. I'll take, you know, some, some arm shots, you know, mm -hmm. a, a good beat down. Just yeah. don't fuck my face up. I was going right. to say, I mean, it takes a lot less to harm people than I think, uh, you know, cinema has led us to believe. People can take a little less beating <laughs> physically than I think. Uh, oh, people can't take a beating at think, all. No. Uh, so that's why I don't want to be, be some stipulations here. People, people, when being beaten will either cower or they will fight back and they tend to not just take it. <laughs> so I don't know, but I'll try it's my best. To, I'll to try my best to just, just take have it. it taken. I'll do my best because Fistical you're paying term. me <laughs> anyway. So glad we talked about all that. Um, I think this is a perfect point, boys, to wrap this up by me asking you. Rap, this. rap, 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 no, rap. God. Sci -fi oh, shit. God. Sci-fi shit. Sci-fi shit. Motherfucking sci-fi shit. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that scene, too. That's so good. Yeah, you guys, if you haven't watched this movie and you're listening, like, go watch the movie. It's a nightmare, but it's great. You gotta stop saying that because we say it every episode. Well, you should go everything watch everything we, we watch do. watch is a nightmare. <laughs> Oh man! All right. No, but you're right, Mark. You're right. You're right. Sorry. So, <clears throat> to ask you boys a real simple question here: Was this good sci-fi or was this bad sci-fi? Because what we're here to talk about, Mark. I think it was good sci-fi. Usually, I would. I feel like my opinion has been changed. That yes, sci-fi doesn't necessarily have to have extraordinary. Uh, scientific situations to be considered sci-fi just using it as an avenue to tell an interesting story and um, pinpoint social current social issues uh, is a good enough reason to make a great sci-fi movie and I think I think this was great all right thank you Mark Ben what do you think I think that's very well said, Mark. I have to agree. I'd say good sci-fi, and I'll just leave it at, at just a good. Uh, it t uses um, its sci-fi elements well that it does throw in, um, whether it's at the end. I still think even like the worry-free stuff fits into like dystopian sci-fi still. But uh, it uses what it has in the genre very well and to a very specific point. None of it ever feels wasteful. None of it ever feels like, oh, but what about this cool sci-fi thing that we could throw in? No, it's all there to tell a story about how humans treat each other and about how uh, capitalism and our oligarchical state have driven out of control. And uh, Tyler said to me while watching, I was watching it with, with our room, my roommate Tyler, and he said, I don't like this. This isn't sci-fi. This is just real life. And it's not fun. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, uh, you know, two years ago, things were a bit different. But Boots has seen this coming, I guess. So <laughs> good sci-fi. Right. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. I, you know, that last thing that you just said, Ben, is absolutely correct. This is too reality adjacent. You know, this is too this is something that's like, oh, you know, you know, other than, I mean, giant horse sticks aside. I mean, that's just something that you're just like. That 
all of that could totally happen, you know, like all of it, you know, and it's like, if it's not happening already, that totally could happen. You know, it's like, so I'd say it's good sci-fi because it makes me think about my reality and the fact that, you know, it's already kind of dystopian. So there we go with a hopeful message, Bill Jarvis. <laughs> Thank you. Andrew, what do you get? Um, yeah, this movie didn't super land with me um, just in, in as a whole. Like I was like, uh, I kept wondering when the sci-fi bit was going to come in. And I, I do definitely understand what you're talking about with it, having that dystopian feel and it's like, okay, but is that enough for me to like call it sci-fi or is this just, you know, an allegory? Are we, are we in another allegory? And then all the crazy shit happened. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is like, that, yes. this has gone is off correct. the rails more than Snowpiercer. <laughs> hey. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't actually watch that episode, but, uh, I like that you the way you guys made rails. it sound like it was just went off the rails, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just kind of, just kind of eh from me, eh, sci-fi. Do we have that rating? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, we do now if we didn't before. <clears throat> All right. Magmanus. Magnanimous. Mm. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, I'll be real brief. I'll just say, I don't know. Uh, is this a social commentary? Yes. Is it told in a sort of, you know, fantastic setting? Yes, it is. Do I prefer that my sci-fi, I guess, is a little bit more, I don't know, sciencey, techy? Yes, I do. But I, I will not doubt that this can be considered a sci-fi movie, if need be. So uh, I wouldn't say it's great sci-fi. It's it's okay. Um, I think it's a good movie. It's an important movie. It does have a powerful message, but it's not really that good of sci-fi. So, yeah, that's all I'll say. Yeah, there's definitely a distinction of movie with social com a great movie on social commentary with aspects of sci-fi and a sci-fi movie that incorporates aspects of you know. Yeah, social constructs. Yeah, I got you. That's what separates this from Snowpiercer. <laughs> There's a lot of things that separate this from Snowpiercer, but that's one hundred percent more snow, one hundred percent more trains. Uh, yes, and one hundred percent more Jen Jennifer Connelly. All right, and one hundred percent less horse cock. Seventy-five uh, percent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, it was you know, there. The you just you got to look in the background, yeah. man. They it's the subtext, man. It's the subtext. It's like they, they Fight Club. They really just well. snuck those frames in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. There you have it. That is our take on... Uh, sorry to bother you. That's um, okay. It... <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed no one did it the first time. I, to be I only did that to me nonstop when I was telling you. I was like, what are you seeing this? What are you seeing this weekend? <laughs> Sorry to bother you. Okay, yeah, no, it's fine. But what are you saying this weekend? It was just constant. <laughs> yeah. So if uh, you join us next week, which you damn well better, we are actually going to be covering a favorite of, I think, all of ours, uh, Galaxy Quest. Finally. I've been doing this, what, podcast for eight million goddamn years and we never did galaxy quest which i don't know why yeah it's i don't know how it never song. made the list I'm, yeah it's in the goddamn theme song <laughs> i mean it used to be a, it used to be an annual podcast so that's forgivable 
(laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough. All All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Until next time.